It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Friday show, TGIF. My name's Sam Ekstrom. Sage Rosenfels with me on today's show for the first time this week. Plenty to catch up on, Sage. How's your week been? It's been great. Uh, kids are officially out of school. We got back from Colorado. Big, uh, big soccer tournament out there and uh, settling in with the summer vacation schedule. Maybe a lot of R&R coming up or maybe it gets busier for you this time of year. How does that usually work? I think it might be busier. Yesterday I was up at 6 and I feel like I didn't stop until about 10 o'clock at night. Uh, so I think <laughs> yesterday might have been, been the busiest. Hopefully it was the busiest day of the summer, but I don't think it will be. That's pretty interesting. That's funny. You know, I want to talk about the AFC North today as we continue our division preview. I want to talk about the Vikings rookies signing all their deals, getting that finalized. And I want to touch on the Teddy Bridgewater videos that we haven't discussed with you yet. The footage came out initially last week and then some additional footage on Wednesday of Teddy in his rehab, dropping back uh, with the other quarterbacks, participating in individual drills. He looks very good in those drills. He doesn't look like he's he's limited at all. Doesn't look hobbled. Obviously, he's not you know getting hit or, or going full speed. But I feel like this is a sign that you know it's not a matter of if he's going to play again. It's definitely when he's going to play again because he seems on track to make a full recovery. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, he's on his way there. I mean, he uh, he does look like he could possibly. Play this year, but you just have no idea. I will say the videos that I saw, um, you know, he was moving around. I, I saw the videos of him just dropping and throwing passes. Uh, I didn't see anything of really him, you know, scrambling and really be be put through anything too physical. When I saw those videos of him dropping, the only thing that came to my mind was he did definitely doesn't look as powerful uh, as, as he did before. Uh, or really a quarterback needs to be, you know, people don't realize when you drop, uh, it is a fairly powerful movement. I mean, you're pushing away from center. You're getting back as fast as you can. Uh, you're sticking your feet in the ground, and then you're, and then you're throwing. And, and, and it seemed like to me that he's still sort of in that, like, about 80% speed uh, uh, sort of situation where he's not, you know, quite, uh, you know, putting pressure on, you know, his legs uh, the way he's going to have to when, when he's back to full strength. Fascinating to hear you talk about it because you've got the eye of a quarterback. You know exactly what to look for. And I think a lot of people, and, and myself included, would look at what he's been doing and say, oh, he looks pretty good. He looks pretty normal. But it's that extra 20% that you're seeing that could be the difference. And that might be all it takes is just that little hesitancy 
maybe the knee won't allow the same flexibility or push off. Maybe the mind won't let the knee, you know, do the, quite the same things because of what happened to him. The final push there has got to be a mental hurdle, doesn't it, at this point? Yeah, and, and I think that, again, like the, the videos that I saw, when he used dropping back, you know, when you say do it's a straight five-step drop, which is probably the most common drop for a quarterback, you usually get about six yards, you know, usually well over five yards. Looked like to me he was getting about four to five yards, and so he just not gained that that power away from center. And, you know, I played for North Turner. He was big on you know, really getting back fast, and, and it's really almost a violent motion uh, when you're dropping, it's not a walk in the park. Uh, and I think some of that might be physical, you know, just getting that his leg stronger and getting getting that leg and knee stronger. But also, yeah, as you said, mental. I mean, I, I think that if I had that knee injury, man, I would be uh, so weary uh, of going 100%. And, and he doesn't need to, and I think that's fine. He doesn't need to go 100%. Take your time with it. Slowly get more and more comfortable. There, he, there's no reason for him to be in a hurry. Uh, take your time, and then I think he will be back at some point, whether it's this season or is it mid-season or at the end of the season. I think that's that's the big question. You know, the other thing that we haven't addressed with you yet is the Mike Zimmer news about his eye that he's taking some time to go to his Kentucky ranch and essentially rehab his vision. I'm curious from your perspective now that the rest of the team is in this spot where. All the coaching is being done by position coaches and coordinators. Were you ever in that situation at all in your career where a coach was absent for what maybe it was a day, maybe it was a week? And was your level of respect and was the level of teaching on the same level with the position coaches as it was the head coach? Yeah, I feel like there's definitely times over the years where, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the head coach wasn't there. I, I, I can't recall you know certain circumstances right now but I feel like you know maybe there's a time like where, where Kubiak had a relative pass away and, and he missed an OTA or uh, maybe Childress missed something uh, an OTA for some reason uh, I, I've been in those situations and it's it's not a big deal in particular in the offseason uh, when you have some coach I mean really the head coach in the offseason isn't really all doing all that much I mean he's running the team meeting in the morning and after that, it's all about the coordinators installing the offense and the defense, and then the coaches in their individual meetings and on the field. I mean, the head coach is really just sort of the organizer, in particular in the off season. You know, they're not doing anything from a, a game plan perspective. Uh, they're not really doing anything from a, a, you know in game, you know, calling plays or, or trying to uh, call timeouts or anything like that. Uh, so. Uh, in the offseason, you spend a lot more time with your coordinators and your quarterbacks coaches than you do uh, with the head coach. I, I do remember when I was in Miami and, and Dave Wanstead got fired and, and Jim, Jim Bates, who was our defensive coordinator, became our interim head coach. And that was definitely a different feel, you know, going from one coach to the next, but that guy that truly sort of got the head coaching job and took it over for about six weeks. Uh, that really did change the sort of the makeup of our football team. Uh, and uh, we actually improved in, in those final five or six games. And so uh, it's it's not really a big deal this time of year. It does happen. I think it happens more often than people realize. You know, these head coaches do have real lives. They have personal matters that happen. Uh, they get sick sometimes. Uh, you know, people, people have uh, emergencies or whatever. So it, it does happen more often than people realize that a head coach occasionally misses an OTA or two. 
I do worry that, that Zimmer's maybe stressing a little bit too much that he's not there and trying to work himself too hard to catch up on the film while he's there. But I guess we can't really know for sure what's going on. We just got to trust that he's abiding by the doctor's orders. Vikings got their rookie class signed two days ago. They inked Dalvin Cook to a deal. And the whole thing was that the NFLPA was saying, don't sign your deals, don't sign your deals. There's offset language. But the Vikings are claiming that these deals were exactly the same as they had been in past years. So what is the NFLPA driving at here? Is this them trying to create a discussion point for renegotiation the next time the CBA comes around? Are they trying to set the table for that argument? Well, I, I do think that we are you know, slowly getting closer and closer. Uh, well, we are slowly getting closer and closer here to the, the end of this 10-year collective bargain agreement. Uh, and I'm sure the NFL Players Association wants to you know, start uh, sticking their foot in the ground about certain things they feel strongly about. And you know, the offset language thing for a first-rounder, you know, the chances of that actually uh, being used are, are, is pretty rare. Uh, but it does happen. You know, it's I'm not sure if the, the listeners understand what the offset language is, but basically, you know, if you get cut um, that uh, and, and another team signs you, uh, that the, the first team that cut you, uh, that owed you guaranteed money, does not have to then pay you the money that, you know, the next team that signs you. Um, you, sort of, you, you don't get to double dip. Uh, and I think the NFLPA, especially with, the way that the first rounders are, and, and the way that the, the first rounders have changed uh, since the, sort of the Sam Bradford years, uh, back when he was, you know, got 51 million guaranteed uh, as the first pick in the draft. Um, I think that they want to, you know, have certain things for the first rounders that, hey, you know, there is no offset language. If somehow you do get released, you should be able to go get paid by the team that releases you, and go get paid by. Uh, your next team and not have that offset language. So my guess is that since we're coming to the end of the CBA, uh, that the NFLPA wants to stick their foot in the ground and, and start creating you know, sh- new rules for going forward. So the Vikings basically signed all 11 of their rookies within a week, and, and it was kind of an avalanche effect where one signed and then another followed and another and another, and pretty soon they were all locked up. What creates that ripple effect is it just seeing your teammate and you know and thinking well if he did it i'll do it or are the agents talking uh what happens there well i think right now it's it's just way it's way different than it used to be i mean everything is so slotted with the uh the signing bonus um and the, the contracts for these rookie players there's not a lot to really negotiate anymore um and there wasn't always a lot to negotiate in the past either unless you were maybe a first uh, at the latest, a second round draft pick. So they're, they're just not to really talk about with the rookie deal. I mean, I've, I've had many conversations with other veteran guys, you know, in, in the cafeteria, in the locker room uh, with this new CBA that you almost don't even need an agent uh, in, with the, uh, with, with that first contract, because you're just sort of, you're just sort of going to get uh, what you're going to get. And there's not a lot of things to negotiate. Offset language is one of them. It's one of about two or three things you can really negotiate, maybe some incentives. But uh, for the most part, uh, your contract is what it is. What gets these rookies signed is that they want to be a part of the OTAs and all the off-season stuff. Uh, and it's a heck of a lot easier to do that uh, if you're under contract than if you're 
uh, you know, just sort of you, you sign some waiver, uh, you know, players rather just sign the contract at this point. Yeah, real quick, who caved in the Joey Bosa dispute? Did the Chargers cave or did Bosa give in? Do you remember? I don't remember, but I remember it was about the offset language. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, what are the chances in a four-year contract for, the, for a guy who is the third overall pick what are the chances he's not going to play for four years for that franchise? And if he doesn't play four years for that franchise, and, and the contracts aren't that huge anyway, they're about you know four or five million dollars a year. Uh, and if he doesn't play four years in that franchise, I mean, what a huge mistake by the San Diego Chargers uh, for drafting a guy that high. Uh, you know what what a what a bust uh, that they would have drafted. So um, it's it's taking the basically the the risk and putting it on the player, you know, rather than on the team. And it seems like he's going to be a stud for four years based on what he showed the second half of the season. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash List. Let's continue with our division preview. We went through most of the NFC. Let's reserve the NFC North for the end. Let's go to the AFC and talk about the AFC North. Pittsburgh, the winner last year, going away by three games over Baltimore. And this was another division that was kind of in a down cycle. Cincinnati had a bad year. The Ravens had a 500 season, and the Browns were miserable. Pittsburgh took advantage, and they had a really bad start. They started 4-5 and five and then won their final seven games. Baltimore did a lot in free agency. They got a bunch of defensive players signed. Brandon Williams, Tony Jefferson, Brandon Carr. Cleveland did a ton in free agency. Kevin Zeitler, Kenny Britt, uh, J.C. Treader, and they were active in the draft. Then you've got Cincinnati, who really didn't do much at all, and Pittsburgh didn't do much either. How do you see this division shaping up? Well, as you were saying, you know, this division it was definitely down last year. In, in the history, since, since I was been around the, really the NFL, uh, this division has been one of the best, year in, year out, one of the best and most competitive divisions. Usually Pittsburgh is in the mix. Usually Baltimore is in the mix. They've had battle after battle over the years. Uh, you know, Cincinnati's had some good football teams in and out there. You know, Marvin Lewis has been there for a long time. And then, of course, there's Cleveland, who's usually out of the mix. But... Uh, I think Cleveland's going to be an improved football team this year. I think they're going to actually win some games. They still really haven't found the quarterback. But I, don't, I don't think Brock Osweiler is the answer there. Um, uh, Baltimore has to be an improved football team. I just this, Baltimore is a, a weird team to me lately. They just seem like they haven't quite lived up to uh, the, the expectations. You know, They've had multiple offensive coordinators. They went from Kubiak, then they went to Mark Trestman. Uh, I'm not even sure who's there now. So they've had a lot of coordinators over the course of the last three or four years. Uh, you got to think Pittsburgh's going to probably win it again, uh, you know, just because they got Big Ben. And, and the question is, is this the is this the last year of Big you know Ben Roethlisberger? You know, it's he had talked about retirement after the season. Uh, is this the end of Ben Roethlisberger? And uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if they have a really bad season for whatever reason. If you know Pittsburgh goes out there and wins six, seven, eight games and they don't make the playoffs, maybe Big Ben shuts it down after the season. Maybe that gives them motivation to come back one more time. So th- this is a very competitive division, but uh, you, you got to think that Pittsburgh, who has you know won it the most previously, 
uh, will probably win it this year. Just a quick FYI, the Ravens OC is Marty Morninweg. Marty Morninweg. Gotcha. Yep. Little West Coast offense. My wild card in this division is Cincinnati. Cincinnati, they're almost stuck in purgatory where they they just have never been good enough to really you know make a run in the playoffs, but they've always been right there. Until last year, it was a team that was routinely winning double-digit games. Do you think Andy Dalton has what it takes to, to get them to the promised land, or, or is Cincinnati just treading water? I think Dalton has what it takes to consistently get them in the playoffs. I just don't know if he's good enough to get them past that. Uh, I see him as, as one of those quarterbacks who can definitely win you 9, 10, maybe even 11 games uh, year in and year out. I think he's a very solid quarterback. Uh, he's a top 15 guy. Uh, in my opinion, I think he's in the top half of the league. Uh, but no, is he elite? A- absolutely not. Is he a guy that can really carry the football team on his back? No, I don't think so. Uh, but a guy who can, you know, make a lot, make more plays than people realize. And and when the plays are there, he usually does make them. You know, when guys are open, he usually hits them. Uh, AJ Green is one of the best receivers in the league. They've got some weapons. Uh, their defense is been fairly consistent. They just had a down year last year, so I look for them to definitely pick it back up and get back in the mix in the AFC North. This is Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we go, Sage, your NBA Finals prediction. Warriors took a one nothing lead last night, pretty convincing fashion. Does LeBron have another comeback in him this year? You know, I don't know. This Warriors team, it's amazing that you know a year ago or, or whenever it was, whenever Kevin Durant signed in, uh, in Golden State that everyone said it's going to be LeBron versus Golden State. And, of course, here we are one year later. Surprise, surprise, you know, two great teams. But this, this Golden State team, they've got so many good players. I mean, they had three great players before. Now they've got four. Uh, and and, and, and there's just Cleveland does not have that type of firepower. And I think LeBron's had one of the great seasons in the history of the NBA. Uh, I, I'm a huge Jordan fan. But dang it, LeBron is so much bigger and, and, and probably even almost more athletic because of his size uh, and, and can do things that Jordan couldn't even do. Uh, at some point, he might be a, a better player or, or might win more championships than Jordan. But his team does not have the talent. He's, they got Kyrie and a bunch of guys who are, who are just good basketball players, but no elite players. And, and over in Golden State, they got four guys. So I got to go with Golden State. Plus, they have home field uh, advantage, home court advantage which in the NBA makes a big, big difference. Yep. On paper, it's Golden State, clearly, and it could be a sweep, Golden State. They could sweep their way through the playoffs. There's just something in me that just says LeBron is not going to go quietly just after watching what he's done in these playoffs. Even though it defies logic, I'm waiting for Cleveland to make a run here. And last year, they were buried. It was 3-1. to one. They were down and out, and somehow they found a way to come back. I don't know if they could do that again this year if they flirted with a 3-1 deficit, but I, I'm waiting for them to maybe even it up in game two or or take this thing to six because I just think LeBron has something mystical about him right now. He's just controlling and manipulating the court. It's like it's happening in slow motion for him. Well, as I say, I, I, I agree with you. My, my concern with LeBron is just he can't do everything. He can't play all five positions, and right now with Golden State, they've got – big-time players at all the positions, and and uh, even one great player can overcome you know, four great players on another team. Yeah, and this is probably more of a Lockdown Warriors conversation, and that's, by the way, one of our most successful shows on this network. But I just felt like the pace 
last night was way too fast early on. I thought LeBron was trying to do too much early in the game instead of sort of saving that second gear for the second half and slowing the game down. I thought Cleveland catered right to what Golden State wanted to do. And no surprise, they got run out of the gym in the second half. Uh, they'll have to change that up for game two. Well, we will see what happens. I always say, you know, batting basketball, home field or home court advantage makes a bigger difference than in football. Uh, you know, in the playoffs, you see plenty of uh, away teams come in and win. Uh, in baseball, I don't even know if it really even matters. Uh, but in basketball, I think home field, home, home court advantage mat- matters in a very, very big way. Uh, and I think that uh, that's another advantage that Golden State has uh, over Cleveland. Should be a good series. We'll talk to you next week, Sage. Uh, OTA week number three will commence for the Vikings. Talk to you then. Sounds good. He's Sage. I'm Sam at Sam Ekstrom at Sage Rosenfels 18. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating. Leave a review. It's Locked On Vikings. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.